Welcome to this Linklaters podcast on operational resilience. Joining me are Pansy Wong and Becky Heisman. Today, we're going to scratch under the surface of one of the fundamental concepts of operational resilience, important business services. Becky, why is this term important? Well, as you say, Simon, it's fundamental to the UK resilience regime. Nearly all the rules and other defined terms hang off it in one way or another. So, for example, under the operational resilience rules, you only need to set impact tolerances for those business services you think are important. And that means that identifying your important business services is one of the first things that you need to get right on your operational resilience programme. Well, before we talk about what an important business service is, I suppose we should ask, what do we mean by business service in the first place? A business service is something you provide for an external end user or customer. It's not a business function. Confusingly, firms sometimes refer to their back office functions like HR and payroll and so on as business services. But as important as these are to keep a firm running, they aren't business services for the purpose of the operational resilience rules. Instead, the focus here is on external services, looking through everything you do as a firm and identifying those services that you provide to a client. Okay, so IT, as you say, HR, maybe audit and other second line functions, those aren't going to be important business services. Is that right? Yes, that's right. You need to think more along the lines of retail current accounts, payment processing, cash withdrawal and life insurance, for example. I'd flag a few things that I think are important to remember in looking at this. Firstly, these services are unlikely to map neatly against existing business lines or desk structures or, or indeed even against regulated activities. So you might find that these rules involve parceling up your business in a different way. Secondly, you can't lump several services together, which, which does make things tricky. So you might decide that retail mortgages, for example, is an important business service, but that term could capture different services on which clients rely. And it can be difficult to know where to draw the line between one business service and another. Finally, you might need to look beyond your immediate clients. The policy statements talk about services delivered to end users. You shouldn't restrict yourself to only thinking about your immediate customer or client. A, a common example would be where you provide services to an affiliate within your group, and that affiliate relies on those services to deliver its products or services to its clients. And once you have a list of your business services, presumably not all of these are actually going to be deemed as important. We know that some firms are starting from the point of assuming that all their business services are important unless they can justify ruling out specific business lines from the list. But you're right, it's from your pool of business services that you need to identify the ones which are going to be the important business services. And how do you do that? So the definition of important business service has many parts, and it's also different for each regulator. I'll start with how the FCA defines it. So to paraphrase, the FCA's definition covers services which, if disrupted, could either cause intolerable levels of harm to one or more of the firm's clients, or could pose a risk to the UK financial system or financial markets. I'll pick out a few important pieces from that definition. Firstly, there's that reference to one or more clients. Now this sets a very low threshold. It means you should be thinking about intolerable harm caused to any client. 
Secondly, there's no mention here to the disruption happening in severe but plausible scenarios. Those scenarios will be relevant when it comes to other rules, which we can talk about in future episodes. But for now, when you're looking at the definition of an important business service, you're not thinking about the type, plausibility or severity of disruption. Instead, you're imagining that the service has been switched off and then thinking about whether that could pose a relevant risk or cause intolerable harm. Finally, harm itself. This is another tricky concept. We're talking about something that's more than just inconvenience. And of course, intolerable harm is going to be far more severe than just harm. Thanks, Becky. That was actually going to be my next question. Pansy, how do we distinguish any harm from intolerable harm? Well, helpfully, Simon, the FCA has suggested a list of factors which firms should take into account when identifying their important business services. In other words, how to spot potential intolerable levels of harm. Unhelpfully, though, it's a long list, so I won't go through the whole thing here, but I will highlight a few key examples. Time criticality of the service is one, and I expect we'll return to the importance of recovery time when in a future episode on uh, setting impact tolerance levels. Another is the ability of clients to switch to a different provider. Clearly, if you're the only one providing a particular service to a particular group of clients, then it makes it more likely for it to be an important business service. And there are other factors which are very broad, um, such as the potential to inhibit or impact the stability of the UK's financial system. Another one on the list of things to consider when identifying important business services is the nature of the client base. The FCA's guidance calls out specifically that firms should think about vulnerabilities that would make someone more susceptible to harm from disruption. A a good example of this is um, a case involving Raphael's bank. This um, included an FCA decision notice from a few years ago, and there were some interesting lessons for firms um, on questions around operational resilience. In that case, an IT incident caused disruption to its card program. That card program was for seasonal workers who depended on their cards to receive their wages. That group included vulnerable customers who would have been more likely to be adversely affected by the outage. This concept wasn't in the rule book at the time, but looking back, you would have expected the firm's card program to have been classed as an important business service. Yes, and I would just add to that that one of the other factors to consider when identifying important business services is the idea of whether the disruption to the services could amount to a breach of a legal or regulatory obligation. Now, given that not remaining within impact tolerances will itself be a regulatory breach, this can become quite circular. So I think what this reminds us of is that identifying your business services is actually a circular process. As you work through the other aspects of the operational resilience regime, you will find yourself looping back to your important business services, re-evaluating and making changes to the list. Thank you. I'm, I'm conscious that we spent a lot of time looking through the FCA's lens. Just briefly, how is the PRA's definition different? Yes, so just to switch over to the PRA, so generally the PRA's definition covers services which, if they're disrupted, could pose a risk to the firm's safety and soundness. Now, depending on the type of firm, you may also need to include services which, if disrupted, could pose a risk to the stability of the UK financial system, or for insurers, a risk to policyholder protection. Now, clearly the PRA is more focused on prudential matters rather than conduct or the risk of consumer harm. 
And because, as I said before, this definition feeds into the other operational resilience rules, the PRA regime will apply quite differently, even though the FCA and PRA rules might look the same on the surface. And before we wrap up, what do you do once you have identified your important business services? Well, once you've identified your important business services, you completed the first part of your operational resilience program. So congratulations. Um, it's worth noting that identifying your important business services is not just a byproduct of the regime, but a regulatory requirement in its own right. So technically, if you fail identify your important business services or do so in a way that doesn't meet the regulator's expectation, there is potential enforcement risk there. But once you've identified your important business services, you know, that is the first part over, but you can't rest on your laurels. As Becky says, in our experience, we found that there's a feedback loop. So once you work through the other operational resilience obligations, you may find yourself revisiting your approach to how you identified those important business services in the first place. The rules also require you to keep your list of important business services under review. You need to go through an update at least once a year and also whenever there's a material change to your business. So you need to build that into your change management program. We've spoken to clients about building resilience into their processes for developing new products as well. Culturally, this is going to be really important. So, for example, can you show that you've considered whether new product lines might amount to important business services and therefore get captured by the program? And have you thought about the resilience of those products, not only before, but also during and after launch? Um, so those are some of the things that you'll need to think about next. Thank you, Pansy and Becky. Do get in touch with us if you have any questions. Until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you.